your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line if you want to get in here. I say text line because state rep Jill Billings is on with me, or she will be on with me. The phone's literally ringing. Um, state, Jill Billings is the is the basically the lacrosse area rep in the state assembly in the 95th district. Jill, are you there? You've reached the phone. Oh, that's Jill's, that's Jill's answering machine. So we'll try to get her in a minute here. Uh, we could, we could leave her a message. I suppose we could try to do that. But um, yeah, some of the things I want to talk with Jill about is the, uh, the PFAS lawsuit, the, the forever chemicals in the groundwater on French Island that's had people there using bottled water for well over a year and a half now. So we've we've think um, we have different we have different levels of lawsuits going after PFAS companies in that regard. Um, tax cut. Governor Evers proposed a tax cut last week. He's proposed a tax cut a couple of different times. We have a, a big budget surplus in the state of Wisconsin, so want to uh, discuss that, the the idea that we're doing a tax cut, right, a couple months before an election. Is that hypocrisy? Is that uh, is that just a gimmick? Is that what we always do? Or is it something that Governor Evers has done three other times over the over his term, and we've ignored every one of them, almost? Um, other things uh, that are on the docket here, the... the uh, I think we can always talk about funding and education in terms of the state. So what the uh, lacrosse school board has decided, the school district will cross with the, the referendum, right? Asking ba- voters to help fund a consolidated school plan or building a new high school. It's consolidation, but we're also building, right? So we're doing kind of one of each, right? Like we're kind of going, we're consolidating, but we're also building new. So um, doing doing those at the same time uh like it just seems it seems kind of funny in that regard because we're we're uh we're we're cutting cutting funding we're cutting some funds in the school district of lacrosse but also we're going to build new and then the price take is huge 195 billion dollars i think we got jill now jill we were going to leave a voicemail for you live on the air i don't i I don't know what happened my phone didn't ring Oh well, I do that all the time. I just turn the ringer off because I, I, you you might be on par with the rest of uh, you know the the young kids as they say the whippersnappers because nobody ever turns their phone on anymore. Nobody ever wants to hear it ring. So uh, the idea that you get phone calls and answer the phone is is just like completely something we don't do as a society anymore. Well, I do. I don't know what happened. I just got your uh, message. I just heard the ring from you, or the ding from your message. So oh. I'm glad we connected. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I was just kind of running the. I was just doing a quick layout of some of the things we were to talk about, and I got to about to the Lacrosse School District plan for a budget referendum or an, a, an, a ballot referendum, and uh, just how we're funding education. Um, some other things I wanted to talk about the well, while sticking with funding education the at, at the college level the state you know is is trying to do well we'll see if the state's going to do this the Prairie Springs building at UW Lacrosse it's the science building there it's been I think six years on the waiting list to get completed and and it's gone to the UW Regents 
top of their top of their top three, I would say, on their budget plan. Uh, UWL also or UW system also talked about doing this Wisconsin Promise plan to get um, free tuition for families. What is it, Jill? Do you remember? Is it under sixty two thousand dollars? It's kind of an obscure number. I think it's sixty two. Uh, You'll um, you'll have you'll you'll get this on your on your desk next next term if you win election. Yeah. <laughs> so and then <laughs> we'll have to decide about it. Um, and then I I do have this on my list, Jill. Just tell me if I need to cross this off. If this is really hard for you to as a state assembly rep, the the uh, south side of Lacrosse has five roundabouts in the process of going in. I think they've they've blocked off traffic heading south. I don't know if that's because they're going to start doing roundabout work there. Uh, destroying buildings to make roundabouts, but how much? How much does the state assembly have? Uh, I, I guess say in what the Wisconsin DOT does when it, you know when it comes to stuff like that. We're going to put five roundabouts on the south side of Lacrosse down Mormon Cooley. Yeah, well, um, we have somewhat of a say. Um, for example, with the north south corridor, um, you know, I I was always opposed to that from the very beginning. And we were able to keep that on the shelf until finally um, Craig Thompson, Secretary of the Department of Transportation, said, let's look, let's come up with a better plan for this. And so um, we sat down together and um, he talked about plans to um, fix intersections and um, make things more bike ped friendly. And so looking at really what people in lacrosse wanted um, I'll tell you, Lee Nearson fought for uh, fought against a project out in his district when he represented the 96th, and it is, it is pretty rare um, that a legislator can can stop a project. But yeah, I, these um, you know these roundabouts it'll it'll take a while for people to get used to them, and um, you know it's never pleasant while the road's being fixed. I think a lot of us who um, travel up and down the cross street are missing that thoroughfare. Likewise, people who live on Cass or Jackson or some of the other, um, some of those um, roads that um, people are driving on since they can't get in Lacrosse Street are feeling like, yeah, we're seeing extra traffic now. So it's never pleasant um, when those roads are being fixed, but I think after it's all said and done, people are generally happy. I mean, look at what happened on 7th and Cass. Right with that roundabout, I think people are pretty happy not to have to wait at that light. Yeah, I definitely am. The, there before the mayor isn't so happy because I think he's he hears a lot from pedestrians in that area because that's a high pedestrian area and, and roundabouts are kind of killer for pedestrians. And I guess uh, that's the the kind of downfall of those. Uh, it would be easy to just put. I, I I was just talking to a guy today about this. Just we should put more of those pedestrian lights out where you're kind of by Gunderson there, you hit the light or on West Avenue by the college campus, you hit the light and traffic stops. I mean, put those all over the place if we, if we need to. Yeah. I express that concern actually with some of those roundabouts, uh, down on South Avenue. I, I expressed concern with what was going to happen with, um, some of that traffic crossing. And, you know, honestly, in general, um, I wish cars were more pedestrian friendly as they're zooming through lacrosse. I remember um, going through campus and, and students waiting um, to get across a at a crosswalk, and it was freezing out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sitting here in my warm car, and it's and stopped. I stopped, but not everybody wanted to stop, and it's like, come on. 
Yeah, the south you know, the south side of lacrosse down Mormon Cooley is a little bit easier to do because I don't think there's a, it's not high, as high as high pedestrian traffic, but the speed limit is a lot more. So anyone that wants to cross that road, you know, at a at a roundabout, uh, I guess they'll be slowing down to get through the roundabout, but they'll be doing thirty five or forty when they go through there, or I guess whatever the speed limit's going to be on the way south side. So I don't know. Generally, do you like the, the idea? I love the idea of having roundabouts at the, all them lights because I'm road rage every time I hit every one of those lights on the south side going towards Stoddard. <laughs> yeah, I think um, hopefully they'll hopefully they will slow traffic. Um, and I do like the idea though of, of having flashing lights to help out pedestrians there. All right, state state rep Jill Billing. She represents the 95th Assembly District. Uh, we're gonna she's gonna stick with us this hour. We got to take a break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk BM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to get in, shoot me a text. I just I mean the text line today because Jill Billings is on. She's the state rep in the assembly in the assembly district. Jill, I, I would I didn't do this because I have so much so many things on the like on the burner here that I want to talk about, but like we could have you in too and just take calls and just run through it. If we get you in studio, I, I wasn't able to have you in studio today, but if we get you in studio and then we could just do phone calls and you know, like that's, 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 I, mean, I know you're for that. I'd do that. You bet I would. Um, I want to talk about just kind of a weird, uh, this isn't really like something you control, so to speak, but it's, it's, it's something we've talked about. The idea that we have elections for county sheriff. We don't do this with police chiefs and cities, right? Municipalities, but we do have elections for county sheriffs. I think it's kind of a, it's not something I really thought about until I had to now do a show and talk about this. I haven't had to do this before where I'm running a show and like thinking about like, oh yeah, why are we electing county sheriffs? Why wouldn't we just have like a board hire them? I, do you have like an opinion on, on, on that process? Well, historically the, um, those, those constitutional officers, like the registered deed, district attorney, um, sheriff, they were put in the fall elections in the constitution of Wisconsin. So they have to pick a party because fall is a partisan election. Um, if we moved them by constitutional change, we could move them to the spring election. They could still be elected and wouldn't have to pick a party because it is kind of funny. Those people have to pick parties, right? Like I remember Marion Negley was, she was always a really good county clerk. When I was on the county board, I worked really well with her. So she was a Republican. I always voted for her. Um, and it didn't, you know, it didn't really matter to me whether she was a Republican or a Democrat. Um, so we could change the Constitution to either move those people to the spring elections and they wouldn't have to pick an office, or I guess we could boot them out totally and then I guess they'd be hired by the county, maybe the county board, huh? Maybe. Um, but the to amend the Constitution, we have to pass uh, two joint resolutions and two consecutive sessions, so you know, one right after the next, and then it would have to get approval through statewide referendums. So, you know, it's, it's a heavy lift, but I, you know, I think it, it's not impossible to change that situation. Yeah, it would be interesting if we, once we get all 72 counties, they have sheriffs to just poll them. I don't know how easy, I feel like it would be, we have email, it would be, hey, do you, do you like the idea that you're elected or do you, would you rather have you know, so like in the city, it's the police and fire commission, I guess in the county be the county board. Would you rather have 
the county board. I, I feel like we we need some police professionals to hire the police professional, right? Like a, a, like a police and fire commission sounds a little bit more more professional and and the, the quote unquote they know what they're doing. Sorry, county board members, but like we're hiring a police chief. Maybe we. But but the way we're doing it now is we're just electing the person based on you know I think a lot of people's politics are just DNR and. Uh, not DNR, but like D, the D and the R and whatever that person is, I'm just going to vote for that person. It just seems like that's where we're at in politics. Um, that that is a good idea, though. To switch it to the spring election, and then you know what? I can't. I don't know if Fritz Leinfelder is a Republican or a Democrat. I don't know if John Siegel is a Republican or a Democrat. I guess I'm going to have to go and read about what they stand for before I decide to elect that mm-hmm. person or vote for that person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a good idea anyway to figure out what someone stands for before you vote for them, especially these, you know, these, these um, seats like registered deeds and district attorney. And I think it's always a good idea to, to talk to the person, figure it out, go listen to him, go listen to them, give some speeches, listen to some forums. If you get a chance to do that. Yeah. Right. Nobody has time for that, Jill. I mean, maybe, but also it's really hard. I'm, tr- yeah. I'm trying to do my due diligence and talking to both the, the, the candidates in the, the sheriff's office that are running for chief or uh, for, for sheriff. Um, so that people can actually listen and just go on the computer and be able to listen or read about them. Um, but like some of those races are just like, A, I don't even know what you do. B, I don't even, I don't know. <laughs> well, that, I think it starts and ends right there. I don't know what you do. And then I don't know why you would be partisan. It just kind of, it all seems silly. It's true. People are busy. It's, it is hard. I agree. It's hard to, to take time to do all that when you're trying to get your kids to school and practice and get dinner on the table. I agree. <laughs> Also, it's not that fun. I'm going to go read about, what did you say, like city clerk or clerk of courts? I'm going to go read about her, what, or him? Where, and where am I going to read that? Like, man, I, good, good, on, good on wisdom if we can get the, the, uh, like a little write-up on the clerk of courts. It's not at the yeah. top of my list. Yeah, it's important. It is. It's important. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, all right, so moving on. So, the, I mean, you, like you said, it would take a, but, but I think if we had, because a lot of times when you say we got to change the Constitution and then in these days we're our politics or we're never going to be able to change something like that, except that if we had 72, let's just say like 60 of the 72 sheriffs say, yeah, we would be cool with an elected or we would be cool with a, a board of some type, you know, just hiring the top qualified candidate to run the sheriff's office as opposed to having it run for for the thing while also being a, a, a deputy within the sheriff's office or the sheriff himself. Right. Those guys have jobs. So it's not like they have all that time to camp, all that much time to campaign. Yeah, it would be interesting um, to look at the history of why, you know, like back in the day, um, why those seats were included as a Democrat or Republican in the fall um, partisan primary. Um, it'd be interesting. To, it'd be interesting to see if there was a, a reason back in the day for that to be included. All right. Um, I want to get to we talked about I talked about at the beginning of the show, just the idea of funding education. The, the we have referendums now, lacrosse on Alaska, Holman and Bangor. I think Bangor is out of your district. I think Holman's in your district, though, right? Or, nope. No, they're not. They're not. That's Doyle's district, That's I believe. Yeah. yeah Doyle, um, yep. But but it's just it's a state matter anyway. But these these voters are going to have to go to the ballot and decide whether or not they want to spend tens of millions of dollars for their school district. Because because why, Jill? Do you, can you explain to me why? Uh, is this a, is this a big state issue, or is this something that this is this is how it's done everywhere, and it should stay that way? The idea that we got to ask the city of Lacrosse uh, Lacrosse School District residents for 194 million dollars to consolidate 
schools because the buildings are dilapidated and the uh, attendance is coming down in schools? Well, we have seen a rise in um, referendums for public education in the last um, you know decade. Um, and this year there are 70 referendums from 50 school districts, and it's, they're looking for a record $1.9 billion. Um, so it's, it's something that has been increasing over the years. Um, and if you look historically, um, there was a time when um, I was under Governor Thompson, and he, he said he would do two-thirds funding of schools in exchange for capping how much the local schools could um, raise um, taxes. And it was a raise of, on property taxes. Um, so the problem is that, surprise, surprise, the, school, the state has not kept up with their two-thirds funding for schools. Um, so what's happened is now about 48% of costs is paid by local taxpayers um, or, or by the state, and then local taxpayers about 41%. Um, and there's some other there are some other things in, in small percentages in the middle of that. So um, the state is not covering two-thirds of education, um, and the school districts have not been able to um, – keep up with the needs. And so what they do is they have to come to the, the public for these referendums. Now, some of these referendums are, are similar to the one that has been proposed for La Crosse. It will be on the ballot for La Crosse um, this fall that just deal with building. Um, but also more and more, unfortunately, have to do with just kind of operations and making sure that they can keep buildings open and keep staff and all of those things. They're not talking about large projects. Um, so, so we're in a, a situation where our schools haven't been funded the way they need to be funded. So they're coming to referendum um, more and more often. Would, um, we saw that with teachers and raises here this um, a couple months ago. Well, that was my next question is the, the, the idea that the teachers wanted a 4.7% raise here in the cross school district, and they got a 2% raise, which they called a pay cut because of inflation. Uh, we all know teachers are underpaid, but is it, is it also the state's fault? Cause we want to blame the school board. We want to blame the superintendent. Uh, should we also be blaming the state for not funding what would be teacher salaries enough as well? Like the school district can't afford to pay the teachers. Um, I would say the, in my mind, the, the, the fault lies with the state of Wisconsin for not funding our schools. Um, I think those teachers deserve that higher raise. I think they deserve 100%. I think they deserve that 4.7% raise. Um, but I think it was 4.7, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. It was, yeah. Well, they got a 2% um, raise. They wanted 4.7 because that was as much as they could ask for based on yeah. um, some I can't remember the 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 letters of the whatever it was like a, a abbreviated thing that the the state only lets them whatever the inflation number was at that time like a year ago even though the inflation number they probably could have asked for like 6.8% but the, it's capped because of some formula. Yeah. Uh, well, um and the year before they got 0% raise. I don't know if people are, remember that. So um, the problem is we're in a tight, also we're in a tight workforce situation. And, um, you know, teachers are have been burned out since COVID. It was hard for them to um, create lesson plans, not knowing are we going to be in person, are we not going to be in person. Nobody liked 
virtual, very, very few people like virtual learning. So, um, and, and, you know, even when, I mean, this, this last budget, lawmakers put up more toward, um, toward um, schools, but there was a caveat with that, that that had to go only toward lowering property taxes. None of that money went into the classroom. So, you know, when, when school boards and administrators say, yeah, we're, we're in a tight, tight budget situation, they're telling the truth. Um, so they just need more funding from the state. The state should take care of that. CBS News Brief. That they made. That's uh, State Assembly Rep. Jill Billing. She represents the 95th District. All right, we're going to take one more break, and we'll come back. We're, we'll continue this conversation at the college level real quick, and then we'll talk about the governor's tax cut. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. State Rep. Jill Billings joining us this hour. I just I want to I want to keep the subject separate. So real quick, Jill, because this isn't like super exciting talk, but we're, we're talking about funding education. UWL is looking for funding from the state. Uh, part of that is one hundred and eighty seven million dollars for the Science Center that's been on hold for six years. What are the odds that come ne- the, the next governor's budget, whether it's Evers or Michaels, that that gets in there and gets approved by the legislature? Well, I'll tell you, they're, they've passed the first hurdle right now. Um, so it's included in the UW system budget. They got a really good placement. Um, if you look at the large building um, projects, they're after one building in uh, Madison on the list. So they've got great placement. Um, I know the governor, Governor Evers, is supportive of this. He's included it in his last two budgets. Um, so I'm going to continue working across party lines with people in joint finance, the Republicans there, and um, make sure they understand the importance. Um, a lot of stakeholders in town have really helped um, get talk about that project, and so I'm hoping they'll put, put pressure on those Republican joint too, and we'll be able to get this project across the line this year. All right. So I just I wanted to do that real quick. Um, when we come back, I want to talk about Governor Evers's tax cut plan. He proposed that last week and, and get Jill's take on it. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Jill Billings, State Assembly Rep in the 95th District. Is it still called the 95th District, Jill? Because I... Uh, my all my state reps in Minnesota have changed. Their numbers have changed, so I have to go searching for the, the state rep is the same, but the numbers have changed. I am and have always been the state representative for the ninety fifth. Yes. Okay, I want to talk about the the Governor Evers tax cut plan that he released last week. Republicans are calling it a gimmick, a, a tax. No, what is it? An election, you know, midterm gimmick or he's running for reelection. The governor, Scott Walker, did this four years ago. He released. I, I think we had the. I think parents were getting checks for one hundred dollars right around this time, right around the back of the school time for the the tax cut plan that he did with a budget surplus. We 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 let that one go through the legislature, but not this one. I guess. Is there a big difference here between what Walker did four years ago and what Evers is trying to do? I would say that what Governor Evers is trying to do is uh, more comprehensive and uh, better thought out. Uh, The governor um, offered um, to work with Republicans on the tax break earlier when he um, called us into a special session. But, of course, Republicans gaveled us in and out. Um, So he's now that we've had some more 
um, projected uh, surplus, the governor is again looking at that surplus and saying, um, let's give some of this back to the taxpayers. Um, we're projected to be at more than $5 billion in our surplus, and that's top on top of our uh, $1.7 billion rainy day fund, which is is a record. We've never had a rainy day fund that has been so um, flush. So $1.7 billion in our rainy day fund, $5 billion in our surplus on top of that. And um, so he would like to give out $600 million in tax relief. Yeah, and former Governor Scott Walker, I think the, the budget surplus at that time was $700 million. The Republicans' tagline is always give the tax money back. It's always about tax cuts. Now that Governor Evers has proposed, I think this will be the fourth time he's tried to propose a tax cut throughout his term. So when we say it's an election day gimmick, well, we've tried this four different, three, three other times before this, and they weren't election you know, midterm election year gimmicks, they were they were during the, t- you know, like you like you said, the special session. Is it really weird that we're just going to hold on to five billion dollars in budget surplus as a state? Have we, you've been in the legislature for over a decade, right? So how weird is that? <laughs> well, I can tell you that it's 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 not like anything I've seen before. But I, I think what's likely going to happen. And, and this is politics, as, as you referred to. I mean, we, we've seen this from back in the days when Tommy Thompson gave out his Tommy checks, you know, that were signed by him, uh, checks that people could cash. And um, so I'm guessing what my Republican colleagues are thinking is that um, they don't want to give back the surplus yet because they don't want the governor to uh, be able to do it before the election. And they want to wait until after the election. So in case that um, uh, Michaels is elected governor, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you're going to see a, a tax cut in the next budget. And if the Republicans retain their majority in the legislature, which they likely will because of gerrymandered maps, um, they'll also want to give back the surplus. Uh, so the difference is the governor uh, wants to do it now. Um, he has a, a plan that's well thought out. I, I believe there, the, a lot of these issues are things I've heard from from my constituents. For um, example, a caregiver tax credit um, to help family members who take care of, of other family members. Um, I was over at Eagle Crest listening to some women talk about um, later in life and, and the work that they're doing taking care of their spouses and it's quite intensive work for some of these women, and it keeps their uh, husbands out of facilities. It saves taxpayer dollars in the long run. And they're just wanting a little relief, a little help with that. And the governor's heard those stories. I know he was here listening to some of his my constituents talk about this. And so he's, he's coming through for them. He's trying to. Um, it gives a tax credit, a 10% tax cut for families, um, who make under $150,000 combined income or individuals that make under $100,000 income. Um, it looks at the uh, child, uh, child and dependent care credit. This is something that so many people have talked about, that child care needs to be more affordable and accessible, and this would give some relief in that area. Um, and, and regarding... Um, Medical issues that the governor also includes here an insulin copay at $35. So people cannot 
be forced to spend over $35 for their copay for insulin, something that is a life-saving, absolutely necessary medication. And we've heard from so many people about the high costs of prescriptions. So this would help with that. Yeah, it seems like a little bit more than the $100 per child tax credit that we did four years ago. Um, But we have more money to play with, so to speak, right? Like we have a projected $5 billion budget. Uh, you know, That's exactly true. Yes, we have we have more money now. Our surplus is is very flush now. So so I think this would be a time to look at those areas. Is is the Republican line here that we don't want to do anything at the end of a like a governor's term, like a lame duck t- governor? Well, the best of Republicans can come up and rebuttal. The, uh, from what I've heard is, oh, it's a gimmick. This is just a election year gimmick. Um, well, it also provides, they may think of this as a gimmick, but it's providing relief uh, for a lot of people in Wisconsin at a time when inflation, although it's starting to come down, it's still high prices in the grocery store and at the gas pumps. And, and this would help out people at a time where I think that relief would be really welcome. So, you know, let's put the politics aside and just take care of the take care of this and it should be easy to do yeah it's a win-win they get the win too right if they if they would be supportive of this they get the win too yeah five months ago governor evers proposed what what we could like into what scott walker did a while ago he proposed a 150 dollar tax rebate or to or a rebate to taxpayers he did that five months ago he's proposed tax cuts in each of the past three years to the legislature that, you know, even the special session, you said they gaveled in and out of. I, I've lost track of how many special sessions we've done. It's between like seven and 12 that we've just totally ignored. Um, also, Jill, I'd like to bring up that you guys are uh, like month. Well, month five still of a uh, 10 month hiatus where you just where you're not in session. Yeah. um, And we've talked about that before. And it's true. Let's see. I I think I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I see ten special sessions um, from since 2019 to 2020. Ten special sessions. Um, So, yeah, it'd be nice. Let's move on some of this stuff. Um, And we are. Everybody's everybody's, um, out campaigning. People who have races are out campaigning. Um, for me, I still have a I still have a heavy load because I still have constituents that want to meet me and talk about issues that are important to them. That's one thing I love about my district that people like to be in touch with their legislator. Um, I'm also in meetings in Madison, Milwaukee, um, and still doing business. But um, I think that we certainly have time to do this. <laughs> we have time to do this. Yes. Yeah, I mean, everyone could sign off on this if you want to call it a gimmick, but it's it's been it's five billion dollars. You said you've never you've never really experienced this in your decade in the legislature where we have a huge budget surplus. Do do we always have a budget surplus? I don't have the experience to know that. Is there always kind of a budget surplus that we we need to kind of give back to the taxpayers? Um, Yes, we have a rainy day fund. And um, the when I was elected in 2010, um, it was coming out of 08. And if you remember back in 08, we had the housing bubble burst and the Great Recession. And um, so some of that, those rainy day funds had been spent down. And so 
um, you know, we worked to rebuild some of that. And I think that that was at the time, some of that was appropriate. Um, but we're at a point now where we certainly have um, funds that we can help give relief to our constituents with. So that's what I think we should be doing right now. Let's give some relief to folks. Yeah, the tax cut plan that Evers released last week, uh, like we said, it would cut co-pays for insulin to $35, repeal the state's minimum markup law to attempt to lower gas prices, which are also coming down a little bit, uh, cut yeah. cut income taxes by 10%, like you said, for families uh, earning less than $150,000 or a, an individual earning less than $100K. Um, the homestead credit... I don't know homestead tax credit. I'm not sure what limit. Oh, that the raises the limit, so more people qualify for a homestead credit. Right. We've been asking for that for several years. I've been on legislation asking for that. That gives relief to people who are seniors, who may be on fixed income and uh, low income folks. Um, so that, to me, that's a no brainer. And and then the, the other one I see here is expand property tax relief for veterans with disabilities. So kind of along the same line. So property tax relief. That's right. Veterans or surviving spouses, too. Yep. But we're not going to do anything with this jail, right? Like we're just going to wait until we see who the next governor is. And then it'll be interesting, right? Like, we'll we'll see. We'll see what the fight. <laughs> we'll see who wants to take credit for because we're still going to have the, bud, the billion dollars, five billion dollar budget surplus. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yes, we will still have that surplus, and um, I, so I'm. I, you know, I'm hoping that that Governor Evers is reelected. I think he's really kept his eye on the ball when it comes to um, helping out regular folks in Wisconsin. Um, he's been a, a calm, steady hand on the on the helm of the state, and so I think I think I think plans like this are good for Wisconsin. And, and so, uh, so we'll see what happens um, with elections. And, um, but certainly he has given us a plan here and let us know what his intentions, his intentions are. If, if Evers is reelected, you and Republicans want to say, we don't want to do, we don't want to go meet into session or do any legislation right in the, in the middle of a election season or right before an election happens. But we did that four years ago when Evers won the election, we we had Scott Walker and the legislature sign a whole bunch of lame duck laws to lessen the governor's power. Do you think more of that stuff would happen if Governor Evers wins re-election? Um, so that's an interesting question. I, as I think about it, uh, first of all, um, Republicans on their side of the aisle, they have fewer members because I can think off the top of my head a number of them. Um, have left to go into jobs in the private sector or with lobbying or things like that. So, so their numbers are fewer, although certainly we still would not have the majority uh, with our 38 members. They haven't lost that many. Um, I guess, so, you know, the difference is, Jill, I'm thinking of it. We have a governor who's, <laughs> yeah. it's not like Governor Evers is going to sign this legislation that would give exactly. him less power. Never mind. That, Dumb that, question. Yeah, that was. That was my next point. That I don't. I don't think that I, I know that Governor Evers. I would assume um, Governor Evers would not sign any legislation that that took away more power from the governor's office. Um, so, so really, it would be. It, you know, it wouldn't be. It would yeah. be really weird if Tim Michaels won the election and then the legislature like undid all those laws from four years ago to give the governor back powers. That would be, uh, you know, like the, hypo- the hypocrisy there. But we see that all the time. 
It would be hypocrisy. And um, as I talked to some of my, my uh, colleagues, um, some who have left, about that lame duck session, some of them said, well, you know, we, we had heartburn with those issues even when Walker was in power, and we ran into some of those issues with, with Governor Walker. And so um, we, 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 it was an opportunity to do something that we wanted to take care of earlier. Um, so that, I mean, it would really be hypocritical for them now. Um, yeah. To go back and restore those things that they told me they didn't like under also under Governor Walker. I, I guess. But, you know, a lot of those uh, a lot of those faces have changed in four years. So it's you know, a lot of new members. So I mean, that, it that could be a different ballgame. You do provide a different perspective there. I mean, Republicans, if they wanted to do this, they wouldn't be able to have Go- Governor Scott Walker wouldn't sign those laws if he w- had won the election four years ago, I suppose. <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> I really doubt it. Yeah. All right. That's that's State Assembly Rep. Jill Billings representing the 95th di- District. Jill, thank you so much for spending the, the hour with us. Thank you very much. All right. We're going to we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.